This is Blockbuster Film School. This is Blockbuster Film School. Gentlemen, boys and girls, people who are transgender, people who are aliens, people who are robots, people who don't identify as dick all, alfs, whatever the fuck you want to be. Welcome to the Blockbuster Film School. All are welcome. All will learn sometimes facts, but also things that me and Nick make up because guess what? I'm Alex Bonner and I'm joined by Nicholas Souter. Ow. Ow. He's here. He is alive. Nick got into a vicious fist fight. On the streets for our freedom, he beat Rahm Emanuel within an inch of his life. That's an inside Chicago joke because Rahm Emanuel is a tiny little dickhead who used to be the mayor of Chicago who thought gentrifying the entire place and kicking everyone out and creating shitty white street lamps was the way to go. Now we have a different tiny little dickhead. He used to be a cop instead of a lawyer. Yes. And, and it wasn't a fist fight. I bit into a torture wrong. That is. And everything <laughs> fell apart inside me. It's, yes. Things, things escalated, which brings us to our episode this week. You want to know. You want to know about film. That's why you're here. We love you. Give us a five-star. Give us a five-star rating. We're, I'm a five-star man. I'm a five-star five man. Stop begging. Stop begging. You're here because of Mr. Joaquin Phoenix. So that's our episode this week. Nick, did you hear that he won an Oscar? Sadly. <laughs> what are you talking about? Listen, Joaquin deserves an Oscar. He does. Mm, I oh. have a lot of thoughts. Oh, you've got thoughts. Ooh, well, uh, thoughts on Joker. The, I I'm know. save that for later. Yeah, that's fair. That'll be the culmination. But just for people listening now, yes. I think Joaquin is one of the Four best actors alive. Oh, I agree. I agree. He's also kind of a secret dreamboat. He's got a little, oh, he's he's a dreamboat. He's got the cleft lips. You know, he's got a whole thing going on. He's got the fluff hair. You know, I mean, it's there's something about. He's got a beard like Brian. He does. Well, sometimes, sometimes, sometimes he clean shavens and looks like how he did when he was twelve That's years old. Sick. Um, he does. He does kind of look like super producer Brian Tepps, who is in the room but refuses to have a microphone, but. We're going to go into Mr. Joaquin. We're going to do our normal thing that we like to do where, Nicholas, what was the first Joaquin Phoenix movie that you remember? So here's the thing. Saw to die for. Ooh. But. Back in the day. Back in the day. Yeah. I remember him in it. That is clearly a Nicole Kidman vehicle. She's amazing that. He's great in that too. But I didn't remember he was in that. Yes. Until I saw Clay Pigeons. Ooh. Okay. Not a great movie. No. But. End of thought. <laughs> Fair, fair. There's also an element where it's the first time where Joaquin dawns on you, right? Which is kind of how mine worked where we'll talk about Gladiator. But for me, that was the first time where I really said to myself, oh, this guy, who's this guy? And people were like, Uh, he's Commodus, (laughs) Commodus. He is Joaquin Phoenix. And I said to myself, I need to know who this guy is. And then later I was like, I saw Space Camp. (laughs) That kid? Is what? Oh, and it dawned on me later that I had seen movies with Joaquin Phoenix in it, but he wasn't Joaquin Phoenix. He was some guy who was in a movie I saw. But we're going to get into it. We're going to get into it. We should talk about Mr. Joaquin Phoenix. He was born on October 28th, 1974, Scorpio. Um, Boo. <laughs> he was born in San Juan, Puerto Rico. So technically, he is Puerto Rican. 
He doesn't do this. I haven't seen him at the parade here on in Humble Park, so he could be here. I think he does it incognito. <laughs> he doesn't have a forerunner with a bunch of flags driving up and down the street. Weird. I don't know. That's what you're supposed to do. I'm sorry. That's what you're supposed to do in Humble Park. The week that everyone celebrates Puerto Rico, the coolest American territory. Let's face it. Okay. Guam. Eat shit, Guam. While we're on the subject of geography, mm. everybody yes. at the same time, say what your favorite commonwealth is. <laughs> uh, the U.S. Virgin Islands. I don't want to say Massachusetts. No, that's fair. Not Virginia. Anyways. Now, he was not always Joaquin Phoenix. We're going to go into this a little bit because when he was a kid, his family was in a cult called... Yeah. The Family International has had many different names. That's the one I think they currently go by. They are a creepy cult. And it's interesting to me because they have certain things that will then be important to how Joaquin goes about things. Because on one side, they are a creepy, weird sex cult that literally actively has weird sex kid stuff, right? I don't know what happened to them. I'm not going to insinuate anything. But that was definitely something that they've gotten in trouble for before. However, they also have a thing where in order to get people to become part of their cult, they take the talented members, they figure out who's talented, and they put them out in front. They make them, you know, kind of perform crazy shit on the street to get people to check it out. And let's just put it this way. The Phoenix family was talented. And we'll go into his brother, but also his sister Summer. They were all very talented, and they were as little kids put out on the street, by the cult, doing shows, doing stuff, getting people to come check it out, singing, dancing, doing backflips, all kinds of bullshit. And The other people in the cult had to prove they weren't narcs by yes. doing a drive-by <laughs> and shooting <laughs> random people. Yes. yes, We need to put that out there, Well, too. there was also creepy stuff. That particular cult had a thing called flirty fishing in which women would go have sex with dudes and then basically, like, create a relationship with them to try and bring them into the cult. This was an active thing that they were part of, right? I am so glad yes. I did not end up in this cult. <laughs> I know, because at least it wasn't like Christianity where, or like full Christianity, because it's sort of Christian, you know, where a pretty girl would come and try to flirt with you, and then you're like, what is happening? Why are you talking to me? And they're like, would you like to come to my youth group? Yeah. And you're like, oh, here we go. They're like, no, I'll actually have sex with you a bunch. And then once you fall in love with me, you have to come to my cult with me, which, you know, okay, that makes it certain. Okay, all right. If that's how the cult goes, Okay. But back then, he was Leaf Phoenix. He was Leaf Phoenix. And... I think he only has one credit as Leaf, and it's mm -hmm. Parenthood. Yes. Everybody had very hippie-y names. Yes, he was in Parenthood. That's true. But let's just put it this way. He's been acting and performing since he could talk and walk. And I think there's a certain element... And avert his eyes. True. And I think that kind of... If I'm to add my theory, that's why he's so good and so skilled, but also why he seems so tired. <laughs> you know, there's a certain exhaustion to him of, like, he's done all this before. Like, he's a million years old. And it's part of his performances that I love, truly. There's an intelligence and an age to his performances, even when he was a kid, even when he was a teenager, even when he was in his 20s. And even now in his 40s, he seems like he is a fucking billion years old. And I love it. It's part of his thing. And also, he's gone through some shit. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't think it's exhaustion. I think mm. it's just being damaged. Mm. But he uses it, and I love that. I love that about Joaquin. He has this great presence. We'll talk about it briefly just before we go into Joaquin, because you have to kind of do it. 
But yes, Joaquin Raphael Leaf Bottom, also their real name, not Phoenix Bottom. Why would you change that name? That's weird. Obviously born 1974. He's the third of five children. His brother is River. His sister was Rain, also Liberty. Was and yes, was. Uh, that's true. RIP. And we'll talk about that. But his father, John Lee Bottom, was from California. His mother, Arlen, was born in New York City as a Ashkenazi Jew and is Hungarian and Russian. Hmm, interesting. But they both were, same thing, very creative, very hippie. This may come as a shock. Extreme hippie action to the point where they would join the Children of God, a.k.a. Family International, and began traveling throughout South America with them. In 1977, the family leaves the cult and they return to the United States and they decide that Bottom is a stupid last name. So they decide to change their last name to Phoenix after the mythical bird that rises from the ashes. And spookily, kind of chaos magic, the family does pretty well with their magical new last name. And they return to, guess what? Los Angeles or Hollywood, California. And Phoenix and his siblings are immediately put by their parents on the street doing their shows that they've always done. Just kind of doing weird kid shows and like something out of a movie, they are discovered. People say, holy shit, these kids are cool and they're doing weird stuff. And I don't know if you know this, but in Hollywood, they will use children to make money. Are you talking about... um <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> Are you talking about the entire oh, weird industry? No, I was going to make an Epstein didn't kill himself. <laughs> yes. Are you talking about, no, I'm not talking about child sex rings yet, although we'll get into uh, oh. weird uh, stuff. If you were a child actor. Patreon only episode. Yes. If, <laughs> if you were a child actor in the 80s and 90s, or a child actor at any point in Hollywood, Let's put it this way. If your name is Corey, you are fucked. Yes. There's some creepy stuff that happens. There's some very, very creepy stuff that happens in Hollywood. So he starts at the age of eight. Joaquin made his acting debut alongside his brother, River. And they were in a television series called Seven Brides for Seven Brothers, a television version of that boring ass story. He was in lots of TV shows. He was in Murder, She Wrote episodes, particularly one called We're Off to Kill the Wizard, which I sort of enjoy. Nice, yeah. <laughs> I kind of like that. I hope it's to kill a girl. I enjoy it more because mm. we don't have to watch the episode. Mm-hmm. I hope it's about Angela Lansbury murdering a Ku Klux Klan Grand Wizard. Oh, that'd be a great episode. I don't know if that's what it is, yeah. but I hope that's what it's about. Do you um, know that movie Stay Tuned? Yeah. Where they watched all the movies. Yeah. My favorite channel on there was my favorite show that they watched yeah. on one of the channels was Murder She Likes. I like this. I like this. Gazorpa Zorfield. When a television show or a movie is like, there's weird channels. Yeah. I sort of oh, it's one of those tropes in movies. Weird channels, weird TV shows, UHF or Scrooged, or they have their own TV shows that are not real. I enjoy when it's done well, fake TV shows. I would love to watch Robert Goulet. Oh, on a raft, go down the fucking uh, bayou singing Christmas songs. Yes, now. yes. Or that thing with Lee Majors where he saves Santa oh, Claus yeah. by That's machine awesome. gunning all these evil. <laughs> Holy shit. I would watch the fuck out of that movie. So him and his brother and his sister Summer are doing tons of stuff as kids. They are doing lots of TV shows. Hill Street Blues. I don't know what it was, but whatever. I mean, I know what Hill Street Blues was. I don't know what the episode they were in. I don't know. I'm not going to watch it. 
They were in a episode of a CBS television film called Kids Don't Tell. Mm, mm. That sounds creepy. He also made his theatrical film debut in a 1986 movie called Space Camp as Max, a 12-year-old who goes to the Kennedy Space Center to learn about the NASA space program and undergoes amateur, maybe, astronaut training because he's so good at it. Kind of has an Ender's Game kind of thing. I liked it. I liked it. He was, like, so good at being Nerd. I know. I did. I did. He was so good at being a kid astronaut. They were like, maybe we should make this kid an astronaut. It's preposterous and stupid, but... It's NASA propaganda. It really is. And as, like, five-year-old me, I was like, hmm, maybe if I show up at him plucky enough, they'll make me a fucking astronaut. This photo that Mm -hmm. uh, Super Producer Brian Mm -hmm. Tepps just handed me, of Joaquin in Space Camp, he looks like a tiny lesbian Sigourney Weaver. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> and that's not a Oh, not- yeah. No, he definitely. He yeah. has the 80s haircut that was issued to all male children in the 80s. Oh, yeah. It's- also, just put this out there. That was not a knock against Sigourney Weaver or lesbian. No, 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 you're correct. He, he looked exactly. No, he looks. Yeah, he looks. He looks like a very attractive lesbian. Yeah. You're correct. And so I was saying, I didn't process, though, that that was Joaquin Phoenix as a kid. I was just like, this is a movie. I like it. It's about space. I'm a dork. I know that. You know, he was in a lot of stuff. He was in Alfred Hitchcock Presents with Robert Loja. Ooh. Yes, yes. R.I.P. But his he was in Ruskies. Did you ever see Ruskies? No. No, it's dumb. I, I've, I've never seen it either. Uh about a group of friends who unknowingly befriend a Russian soldier during the Cold War. Jesus Christ, <laughs> man. Do you kids like vodka? Uh, hey, no, I'm a normal guy. I'm from the Cleveland. So it's Monster Squad, yeah. but with the USSR. <laughs> Don't turn me in. They'll make me go back to Romania. Ah! Yes. Uh, I, I don't know if that's... Gorbachev's got nards. <laughs> <laughs> there are so many good jeans at McDonald's in America. It is paradise. Anyways, really, he kind of becomes maybe the first one to get a big role, actually ahead of his brother a little bit. In 1989, he is in the Ron Howard dramedy Parenthood, which you were talking about. Yes. Do you like Parenthood? I think that's the first one that really we should talk about a little bit. I do. I mean, I haven't seen it since I was a kid. Me either, but I remember liking I the remember shit out of it. I remember liking it a lot. I remember him. He's really good in it. Yes. More than anything, though, I remember John Wick being thrown out of a car. Oh, my God. And also how <laughs> angelic and cool and good baby Keanu Reeves is in that oh, movie. Yeah. He looks, he has, like, glow coming off of him. This is right after... He is Ted, Theodore Logan, and Bill and Ted, but he just is so good, and he's he impregnates somebody, and they're like, how dare you impregnate my daughter, Keanu Reeves? Is Martha Plimpton in this? Yes, yes. I have had a crush on Martha oh, Plimpton I since I was six fucking years old. Yeah, Goonies, honestly. Oh, I never saw Goonies until I was like 21. It's She's fabulous in it. She's great. I like her in this. I like her in all of her stuff. Yeah, I like, she's great. I love Martha Plimpton, and... Yeah, she's in it. Steve Martin, for Steve instance. Martin. Yeah. <laughs> for this is his instance. only film. <laughs> the only one he ever made. Yeah. But he did, even though it's a dramedy and it's kind of serious, he does have the arrow thing on where it looks like he got shot through the head with an arrow. So it's confusing. Steve Gutenberg, right? Am I confusing it? Was Gutenberg? Um, I, I think so. I don't recall. I mean, remember Diane Weist. Yeah. I remember that. Yes. Also, White Claw. Please sponsor us. 
We don't drink any of your products. Oh, Jason Robards, Rick Moranis. Rick Moranis. That's yeah. what I'm, yes. If you combine Jason Robards and Rick Moranis, you get Steve Gutenberg. That's how science works. Proving they are greater than the sum of their parts. <laughs> the movie was a huge critical and financial success. It made $126 million worldwide in 1989 for a dramedy. That's like Marvel money. That's crazy. That's like $300 million now. He was nominated for the Young Artist Award for Best Leading Actor in a Feature Film for his performance. Basically, now he's established as a child actor. He decides to retire from acting for a while. Which he will do more than once. He will do this a couple of times. And he traveled to Mexico and South America with his father. And literally what kind of restarts everything weirdly on October 31st on Halloween 1993, a couple days after his birthday, when he's 19 years old, his older brother River who RIP and maybe we'll do a river episode at some point. Who is a fabulous actor, his own right. We were talking about, he's one of those river Phoenix is the second best Indiana Jones. Oh, absolutely. He absolutely is. He's better than Harrison Ford in crystal skull. Without a doubt. Yes. Yes. He's better than everybody. (laughs) Yes. River Phoenix in the last crusade kind of almost steals the entire movie. You think about him I mean, obviously, it's stolen by that crazy Scottish man who used to like to slap women. But she speaks in her sleep. <laughs> we never the dog, Indiana. I remembered him after. Because yeah. that's where the first time I saw River. Yes, absolutely. I saw him in the theater, and I was like, that kid behaves exactly like Indiana Jones. That's creepy. I don't. I, it's weird. Belongs in a museum. <sighs> He's awesome. He's yeah. amazing. And the Phoenix family, at least definitely the two brothers of the Phoenix family were Amazing actors. Joaquin still is. Yes. But not to bury the lead on Halloween 1993, River. Oh, before, sorry to interrupt Yeah, no, no, no. Feel Just free. Just want to throw out there. If you want to talk about River, well, I'm We'll down. talk about River. Mm-hmm. My own private Idaho. Also with Keanu. Also with Keanu. Uh, Stand By Me. River was a force. He really became a star and was one of these people who was becoming something big. He was in that class. His best friend was Johnny Depp. When this happens in 1993 at the Viper Room where he dies of an overdose, literally Joaquin is trying to give him mouth-to-mouth resuscitation, and Johnny Depp is freaking out, calling 911. I also think Keanu Reeves is there, too. Yes. They all were having Halloween together. You know, they all went to the Viper Room to celebrate Halloween together, and River was mixing coke and heroin, and it didn't go well. And he died. He died in front of his brother and his sister, and there was so much. They played the two nine one one calls. They played the nine one one call from Rain and the nine one one call from Johnny Depp over and over again on television. Yeah, I remember that. And literally, it freaked out Joaquin. Not just the death of his fucking brother that he super looked up to, and also they both kind of became sort of stars at the same time. There's all these adorable photographs of them as these two sort of rising kid stars who are brothers. He went crazy again yeah. and and retreated, retreated back. But this is something I love about the guy is that like he doesn't he doesn't fucking go down like he doesn't give up and he just keeps doing it. And like you said, in 1995 and we can talk about obviously I think River's going to pop up as we sort of talk about this a little bit. Certain things that River did that and later that Joaquin would start doing and that they both had this kind of powerful poetic touch to a lot of their roles, but also sort of a nice kind of airy fun 
element to everything that they do. There's a weird mercurial. Not all of it. Not all of it, but there's a, I would say there's a mercurial thing, a mischievousness, a mischievousness. There's the word I'm looking for to all of their roles where even when they're being terrible bad guys or weird, dark characters, they're still kind of a smirk, still kind of a, uh, you know, and you don't get it all the way, a low key kind of thing. And they both had that. And I, did you say low key or low key? Low key, like the Norse god of mischief. Yeah. yeah. Slash sometimes Norse hero of mischief. It depends. Like, I think that's why particularly Joaquin is so good at playing both. You could have Joaquin play totally the hero, like in her, or you could have him play the super bad guy, like in Gladiator. But he always has a little bit of a, mm, you don't get it all the way. I get it. You don't get it all the fucking way. But in 1995, he co-starred in To Die For as a disturbed young man who is seduced by Tom Cruise's wife at the time. Don't call her that. I know. I'm sorry. She's, She's amazing. She's so much better than She's that. an amazing actress. We'll do a Nicole Kidman. You refer to Katie Holmes as that. Yeah. <laughs> Nicole Kidman is an amazing. She's one she's, of the, she's amazing. She's one of the great yeah. actors in the world and she does cool, weird, insane shit. Yeah. She did just happen to really be attracted to Tom Cruise at the time. She likes short men. That's true. Short, powerful men. That's kind of true. That's yeah. kind of her thing. I get it. Um she's gonna start dating Kevin Hart soon. <laughs> is he powerful? Um but he's fucking short. Yeah, he's rich. I outran him in the Chicago Marathon. I'm not surprised. His legs are three inches long. Yeah, but he started with a huge lead on me, and I beat him. So eat that, Kevin Hart. Do you hear that shit? You want to run a marathon again? You come on the show, we'll fucking do this shit. All right? So it was directed by Gus Van Sant. Have you heard of Gus Van Sant? Once or twice. He directed My Own Private Idaho, as you just mentioned, with River and Mr. Keanu Reeves. And that is on the Criterion. Interesting that he would then kind of reach out to Joaquin and be like, hey, come work on this movie, I got a part for you. So it's kind of an interesting thing that there are certain, he's already sort of got a little bit of a club. He's one of those guys where, yeah, he even says it in his Oscar speech where he's been a scoundrel before and he's made enemies, but he also makes a lot of allies who sort of come back and help him. In 1995, that movie came out, it was at Cannes, became a financial and critical success, you know, with, it made 21 million bucks, but it cost like 3 million to make, which for a Gus Van Sant movie, that's like- That's huge. Marvel money. (laughs) Also, it's just a fantastic movie. Yes, also like, he got huge critical praise. The New York Times said of his performance that he was rivetingly playing Mr. Phoenix with a raw, anguished expressiveness that makes him an actor to watch. Jimmy is both tempted and terrified by Suzanne's slick amorality in that he speaks for all of us. It's like, it's an interesting, like if the New York Times is saying that you're fucking rad, the New York Times doesn't say anybody's rad. They, <laughs> they're like, it was, it was okay. It was fine. He was in Clay Pigeons, as you mentioned, after yeah. that. But he takes his time, 1995, but then it's two years later before he makes another movie, he makes Oliver Stone's U-Turn. <laughs> Do you think Oliver Stone over-directed the shit out of it and maybe had some vague mall Native American music in it? We talked about this this week. We both tried to watch any given Sunday. Yeah. I think you got a little further than I did. I've said this before. I mm-hmm. will say it till the day I fight him in the street. Oliver Stone is the most overrated director yes. Yes. in history. The fact that that guy has an Oscar is preposterous. It blows my fucking mind. He is the hackiest hack of all time. If he wants to come on the show, 
and smoke weed with us. I bet he's fun. Maybe then. I don't know. No. He'll talk about weird JFK fucking. He's talking about Snowden the whole time. And JFK is fucking the, Castro. one of the cheesiest things I've ever seen. Back to the left. Oh, I say Lee Harvey. Lee Oswald is a man. He makes Kevin Costner talk like Colonel Sanders for yeah. three fucking hours. The only thing, the only, I literally started calling Colonel Sanders. <laughs> the only thing Kevin Costner is more boring in than JFK is Draft Day. Yes. Oh, but at least Draft Day is completely insane. It's so stupid. Draft it's Day is so way stupid. more watchable than JFK. It's also an hour and a half shorter. Yes. <laughs> it's also <laughs> the way he kisses Jennifer Garner in that movie. I know they probably didn't fuck. But he wanted to. He did. He puts his tongue all the way down. Jennifer. It was like it's crazy. It was like watching a half dead kangaroo. Yes. Kiss a dead fish. Oh my god. Maybe she was going through some stuff. She was mad at Ben that day. He's Kevin Costner. I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's weird that in Draft Day, a terrible movie, so terrible that it is awesome and hilarious. You should watch it. But in that terrible movie, Jennifer Garner who I imagine is 60 years younger than Colonel Sanders, has actually kind of electric chemistry with him. It's bizarre. It's weird. It's very weird. I feel like everybody has mm-hmm. had electric chemistry yeah. with Colonel Sanders, including Dane Cook, and they weren't even supposed to be like romantically involved in that terrible movie. There's a weird thing. I, maybe Costner is just kind of that way. Like, he's cool, and you start to like him. And if he came into this room right now, I'd be like, oh, let's get <laughs> I would avoid odd kind of like, so I oh, get hey, lost in his eyes. Hey, Alex, I'm going to have to tongue kiss you for this scene. i like, of course you do. Of course you do, Kev. Can I call you Kev? <laughs> anyway, so did you see Inventing the Abbots? He was he in Inve- did. Yeah, he was in Inventing the Abbots. With Liv Tyler. Yes, yes. Who else is in that? Someone else. Inventing the Abbots was him, Liv Tyler. Is it somebody and from That Thing You Do? It's Billy Crudup. Oh, close enough. Yeah, it's Billy Crudup. Jennifer Connelly. Yes. As well. Yeah. Pat O'Connor directed that. He was from Ireland, and he directed not that many movies, but some of them were kind of cool. He directed a movie called Circle of Friends in 1985. Oh, Mini Driver. Yeah, The January Man. He kind of had these, like... Little ones. Yeah, little ones that were moms watch them. Yeah. Moms sighed and watched them. My mom sighed because I made her watch Circle of Friends. (laughs) But... He looks dewy. He's very handsome. He's starting to become handsome. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. He's no longer kid Joaquin. He's becoming handsome Kiss Liv Tyler and a little bit of toughness, a little bit of roughness. Then he's in Clay Pigeons, 1998, as a young man in a small town who befriends a serial killer. You saw this. What's uh, what's Clay Pigeons? Can you just tell me? I, I've never seen it. It's one of the few ones I've never seen. Basically, I don't remember. I saw it once. Mm-hmm. I think I saw it once and a half. Yeah. But basically... Vince Vaughn kills somebody and then says that Joaquin was part of it. And then Anne Heche is in it. I don't fucking know. Yeah, right. No, I, no, Anne Heche is in the other. He did two movies with Vince Vaughn back to back, and they're both fucking terrible. <laughs> if, yeah. you're, if you're a young actor and you're listening to this, first of all, go rehearse. Second of all, don't be in anything with, with Vince, Vince Vaughn. Yes, because a super young John Favreau, who made those two movies with Vince Vaughn, never did anything after that again. He never became a mega titan of Hollywood or anything like that. Well, he certainly <laughs> didn't direct Vince Vaughn in Reader's Digest and Cell, Cell Block 99 or whatever the fuck that piece yeah. of shit's called. 
<laughs> no, but John, we're not making fun. Uh, we know that you run Hollywood now. Please do not crush us like bugs. Yeah. Um, so in 1998, Joaquin is in a little movie, a Joel Schumacher auteur classic, 8mm. Oh, yes. He co-starred as an adult video store employee who helps Nicolas Cage penetrate the underworld of illegal pornography. I watched 8mm one time when I rented it from Blockbuster. Oh, I waited until it was on HBO. Oh, wow. Yes. I, I have a weird thing. We'll do a Joel Schumacher episode. Joel Schumacher also... Kind of like Oliver Stone where he is a hack, but he is such a nutball hack that his movies become per- sort of good in a way. Batman and Robin, anybody? His movies are nuts. They are so ridiculous. I think he even maybe knows it and sort of has a weird... I feel like Joel Schumacher is wearing a kimono when he directs movies. Maybe. I don't know. Who is he? Jim DeRogatis? It's like over his regular clothes. Like he's not being weird. He's just wearing regular clothes and a kimono. He's that guy. Whereas I feel like Oliver Stone is not wearing a shirt. <laughs> He's just and screaming. Yeah. But also wearing like a Kangol hat. I feel like Oliver Stone directs wearing a mesh shirt. <laughs> and pasties. It just lies about him being in Vietnam. Yeah. So that movie, 8mm, which I don't really remember anything of. I remember Joaquin's death scene. Oh, yeah. And it's really funny. He's like... <laughs> Tied up to a pole or yes. a crucifix or something. I don't fucking know. Yeah. It's so dumb. It's the movie's it's so terrible. Dumb. It's some fake seven ripoff. It's yeah. nonsense. And also, you know, a movie's bad when it's just mm-hmm. bad Nicolas Cage face. Exactly. And he's not even Nicolas Caging out real hardcore. No. It's, uh, uh, uh. but it did make $96 million worldwide. Are you just, serious? Yeah, it was a huge hit at the time. A lot of people went to see 8mm. It kind of had a thing. I remember at Blockbuster when I went and rented it, it was one of those ones on the new release wall where it had a fucking whole wall full of them. And, yeah, I remember the shit out of that. But that would be the last time where you didn't know his name. Because in 2000, it was the first time he collaborated with James Gray in the yards. Did you ever see that? I don't really remember. But that same year, he works with Ridley Scott. And the craziest Australian man of all time. I'm only saying that because Mel Gibson was technically born in America. But he is Roman Emperor Commodus in the historical film Gladiator. Oh, yeah. Nice. Gladiator. You will never not know who Joaquin... is so good in that movie. (laughs) You will never not know who Joaquin Phoenix is again after that. Because he is trying to bang his sister. He is trying to kill... Fucking Russell Crowe, he is getting nuts with it. This is the first one I'm going to say. If you've never seen Gladiator, you need to pull your head out of your ass and go see Gladiator. Yeah. I know it's ridiculous in certain ways. It's nonfiction. It's not historical. <laughs> it's insane. But it's Ridley Scott's return to form. It restores tons of people's careers. He becomes a huge star. Goddamn I still sometimes call Russell Crowe Gladiator. He won Best Actor. I know. It it's, helped form that um, Black Album by Jay-Z. <laughs> it's nuts. It's Are you not entertained? It's basically Spartacus, but wilder. It's a wild version of Spartacus in which a Roman general is stripped by a dickhead 
new dickhead emperor played by Mr. Joaquin Phoenix being sassy. I'm so sassy and I wear yeah. white. Oh, you like this? Ah, ah, yeah. Oh, you trying to bang my sister? I'll kill you as a lion. I mean, it's crazy. It's fucking nuts. Can I tell a real quick gladiator yes, story? Yeah, tell me any gladiator story you want. So I broke my ankle junior year of high school two days before summer vacation. Mm-hmm. Spent the entire year, spent the entire summer out the year in a cast in my room. And then I went back to school and one of the security guards asked me how I broke my ankle. I told him I tripped over a porno tape to which he goes, which one? I said, gladiator. And he goes, that's not a porno. And he walked away. 20 minutes later, he came back and slapped me on the back so hard. I popped out of my seat. And he goes, gladiator. I just got it. That's great. For the rest of my senior year, whenever he uh, saw me, uh, he would just yell gladiator across the hall. Gladiator. My God. <laughs> I remember watching the Super Bowl. And you know how this, one of the secret things in the Super Bowl, kind of in the second half, they'll have a big movie trailer. Where they show the whole thing. Where they show a huge thing. And that year, they showed the trailer for Gladiator. And one of the few times I looked at it, much like I did with Black Widow this year, where I said, I'm going to see that movie. I don't give a fuck. I'm going to see that movie. And it did not disappoint. It was a mega smash hit. It made $457 million. The film won the Academy Award for Best Picture. Like I said, Russell Crowe won Best Actor. Joaquin was nominated for a Golden Globe, a BAFTA, a Screen Actors Guild, and his first Academy Award nomination as Best Supporting Actor. He is now that name. He is named Joaquin Phoenix. You know who he is. Him and his brother are the first brothers to ever be nominated for Academy Awards. They are still to this date the only brothers to hold this distinction. He also was in Quills. I know we're kind of skipping Gladiator. I don't know if you have any other Gladiator stories, but I dug Gladiator. Actually, my favorite scene in Gladiator is the opening scene when they fight this group of Germanic tribes, and you're in another universe. You're in another world. You know, I grew up watching all these weird historical movies, The Ten Commandments and Spartacus and Ben-Hur, and there's always this Hollywood cheesiness, and all of a sudden, Ridley Scott doing his Ridley Scott thing where you are transported back in time. Whether it's real, whether it's actually how it went or not, you are transported to somewhere else. And that shit is insane. Like I said, pull your head out of your ass, see Gladiator. But now he's Joaquin! He's in Quills. Did you see Quills? It did. I don't remember any of it. I really liked it. I liked It's about the Marquis de Sade with Jeffrey Rush yeah. and Kate Winslet, and it's kind of a cool, weird, sexy movie about the Marquis de Sade being in prison and him being like, why am I in prison? He's basically a person from modern times who's like, yeah, I like to fuck. I like to make porn. Why the fuck am I in prison? Who gives a shit, baby? Who gives a shit? It's wild. I do recommend Quills. It was a modest art house success. It made $17 million. It got some Academy Award nominations. Shout out to Carlene, my stepmom, who rented it from Blockbuster and said... I think this movie is cool, and I watched it, and I agreed with her. Jeffrey Rush is weird and awesome in it. The next year, Phoenix starred in Buffalo Soldiers, which only is kind of a footnote. It's a satirical movie. It's kind of funny. But I liked it. Yeah, it's it's funny. He's better in it than the movie is. Yes, yes. That's where you kind of see a different side of Joaquin being funny, being smartass. I liked it, but the only mega footnote about Buffalo Soldiers was that 
It was supposed to come out in 2001, right around September 11th. And a satirical movie about the U.S. military, (laughs) they shelved it for a couple of years. It came out in 2003. Roger Ebert said that Phoenix's performance was spot on. And he got a couple of nominations, like a BAFTA for that, but it just, you know, it didn't, nobody really cared. But then he returns with Miller Night Shyamalan's science fiction thriller, 2002's Science. He plays Merrill Hess, a former minor league baseball player, along with his older brother, Mel Gibson. And they discover that Earth has been invaded by extraterrestrials. Nick, did you like science? I liked it when I saw it in the theater with a crowd. Okay. Because when people jump, we all jump. Yes. And it was scary then. Mm. And then I watched it and I realized this is a secret comedy about how people in the middle of nowhere hate hipsters. <laughs> that's why <laughs> That's why the key to defeating them is making them take a shower. Because mm, mm. hipster BO is real. That is true. The struggle is real. Yeah. First time I walked into Kohl's, I was like, wow, this whole place smells like Carl's apartment. <laughs> there was a reason that you used to have cigarette smoking in bars. It was yeah. half because people like to smoke cigarettes, but also so you don't have to smell what the bar smells like. Jesus Christ. It just smells like cigarettes. Yeah. But Science is, <laughs> is a good movie to watch with a crowd. Yeah. And I remember in much the way of a lot of M. Night's movies, I liked the first act of it a lot. It gets into a cool first act. He's good at casting. He has, yes, he is. And he's got some really cool actors in it. And I remember being like, oh, this is interesting. This is getting wild. And then it turns out, spoiler alert for a movie that came out, tw- you know, 17 years ago. But it turns out the aliens who, if you throw a glass of water on them, will almost die like the Wicked Witch. And they came to take over a planet that, let's face it, is covered in water. Yeah. And once I figured, they were like, I couldn't handle it, even in the theater. I lost my suspension of disbelief. And also, how are they taking over the world when two dildos with glasses of water and baseball bats in Nebraska or whatever can just kick their ass? You're telling me that the Navy SEALs didn't figure out throwing water and shooting them with a machine gun work? Not a one of them? Not a single one of them? I, <laughs> I, I'm i sorry. Also, none of these fucking aliens? Yeah accidentally landed in a lake or something yeah, and just died. Yeah, right. Oh, they're just taking over everywhere. They're taking yeah. it over with their jumping around on roofs. Clearly what? Making a bunch of noise. You know what? I'll tell you what. Yeah. Independence Day is worse. It is worse. It is worse. Yes, it, it is, is worse. worse. It is yeah. worse. Uh, I don't know. It- Super producer Brian Tapps has a Secret love in his heart for the scene where uh, Will Smith goes, welcome to Earth, and then hit punches a guy. Also, I have to, a secret. And by a guy, I mean an alien. Secret soft spot for, I love Jeff Goldblum as well. A secret soft spot also to me and my brother saw Independence Day on July 4th when it came out at the old Golf Mill movie theater, which was an old movie palace in Niles, Illinois. And my love of Chicagoland area, when they blew up the White House, the audience cheered. They went yeah. crazy. <laughs> And I, and I adored, I was like, yes. <laughs> I feel like at that point, you and your brother probably busted out the Roman candles you were hiding. <laughs> yeah! Eat that shit, President whoever, you dick. We blew up your bed and all your shit. <laughs> anyway, but Signs was a maniac hit as well. Joaquin's doing it. He's in movies. With the exception of 
Buffalo soldiers getting kind of screwed by 9-11, he's inside. Because let's face it, nobody got it worse at 9-11 mm-hmm. than the film Buffalo Soldiers. I got it. Yeah, I mean, honestly. And Drowning Pool. That's right. All the albums that came out on Tuesday, September <laughs> Ryan Adams is a deserving <laughs> shot. I feel bad for Ben Folds a little bit. It was a great album, but it came out on September 11th. The movie made $408 million on its $70 million budget and was received with positive reviews, particularly Phoenix, though. Phoenix got, once again, whether the movie's bad, they're like, this guy, this guy's doing it. He was, Peter Travers said, Phoenix registers impressively finding the humor and pain in a lost boy. And I don't know why I sort of enjoy that quote because that's kind of something he's good at, you know? He has this lost element in his eyes, this lost element in himself that you then immediately relate to. And if you've ever felt alienated or you've ever felt sad or out of place, you suddenly find a conduit into Mr. Joaquin Phoenix. We're going to kind of skip over some stuff. He did some Disney voiceovers, but then in 2004, Phoenix... Paired again with Mr. Shyamalan, playing a love-struck farmer in The Village. What do you think about The Village, Nick? I really do. (laughs) I think me and super producer Brian Tepps have a higher opinion of The Village. Once again, exactly, almost the exact same criticism I have for Shyamalan. I love the premise. I love the sets. I loved the actors that he chose. I liked the first act and a lot of the second act. He knows how to... Start the yes. movie. Yes. When it comes to ending it, yes. it is just a giant fuck up. Yes. I agree entirely. And much in the same way, I said to myself, why do this? Why yeah. do it this way? You had this all set up. Eventually, I was saying this earlier, Eggers would make it correct with The Witch, where you're doing a period horror movie that is both spooky and funny and interesting about colonial America. You actually do the thing. It's not some cheesy nonsense Twilight Zone ending that ruins the schmaltz schmaltz and suspension of disbelief is blown away for your stupid twist ending. Yes. But Joaquin is very good in it. He's very good in it. And once again, better than Adrian Brody in it. Absolutely. Better than Dallas. I'm sorry, Dallas. Please don't come after me. Dallas Price Howard. I know you are also powerful. You and your dad. Please don't team up with your ginger powers and attack me. But it again again, makes a ton of money, a ton of money. That was before society caught on to the- Yes, uh, that was kind of the last- Himalayan ways. Mm. I mean, but that's why people are like, how does M. Night keep making movies when they're so dumb? It's like, because they make a lot of fucking money. They're bad, but they make a lot of- Sigourney Sigourney Weaver's in it. it. William Uh, Hurt. William Hurt. I mean, like I said, he's- Jesse Eisenberg. He's a- Michael Pitt. But he he gets Eisenberg way early. You know what I'm saying? He's very good at casting. He's very good- at putting, I desperately wish Shyamalan could, back then particularly, could finish the dive perfectly. You know what I'm saying? I I wished because I do think he's a talented filmmaker. I think he gets inside of his own head. I think his writing gets a little cheese ball at the end, particularly, and it ruins stuff. And I'm not bashing on M Night, and we'll do an M Night episode eventually, and it'll be interesting. But M Night has trouble sticking the landing. Yeah. Also, a twist ending on that episode. It ends with us talking about somebody else. It does. It does. It also turns out, well, this was never a podcast at all. <laughs> We're just two squirrels who learned English. And anyway. it would be a great fucking ending. <laughs> I would love that. <laughs> um, 
He then, in 2004, was in Terry George's Hotel Rwanda, playing photographer Jack Daglish. It was a moderate financial success, but this is The Rise of Cheadle. It's an amazing movie. If you haven't seen, this is another one I would say, if you haven't seen Hotel Rwanda, it, Hotel Rwanda is kind of one of those ones I saw at one time. I saw it one time, one and out. Yeah. It's so, it's very good. It's not lighthearted. No, it is very, very good. I remember all of it because it sticks in your mind. It it burns itself into your mind. It has that element, but it is a very powerful movie. It's very good. Joaquin's very good in it. Everybody's very good in it. He gets a SAG award nomination for it. And then in 2005, a movie that is very divisive among many people I talk to. I think it is one of the dumbest movies ever made. A lot of people like this movie. Phoenix starred in the James Mangold directed. It also created an entire genre, in my opinion. I mean, it had been around it really for a while. to fucking stop. But Walk the Line about Johnny Cash, in which Reese Witherspoon goes, I'm tired of you walking the line, or some shit. Like, literally has the titular. You don't know how to walk no line. You no, know, no. Titular lines. I will give my never-ending love for Dewey Cox. And the fact that they, the movie is so ridiculous that they made one of the greatest comedies of all time to mock it and mock music bios. Uh, what do you think about Walk the Line there, Nick? I think the T-1000 is <laughs> way less scary when he's around his emo son and he's trying to get him to love Jesus or whatever or become a lumberjack. I don't fucking remember. <laughs> that movie was sucked. I hated Walk the Line. I remember we were running the newspaper in college and... We would just get high in the room because we were yeah. terrible students. Mm-hmm. And randomly, someone would just be like, you know, we're all going to hell for the song to sing. And it doesn't matter who said the next part. Yeah. Somebody just goes, including me. And I would just turn to them and go, no, not you, June. You're beautiful. That's the only thing I remember of that movie because yeah. I was stoned making fun of it. Right. And also, I often will confuse it because I then will think of Dewey Cox. And I'll just see Jerry from Rick and Morty <laughs> say, I had sex with you. I had sex with you, Dewey, in 1964, and I've been confused about that ever since. I, it's nonsense. He does his, not to go back to Oliver Stone, he does his Val Kilmer, Jim Morrison impression in which he sings all of the songs as Johnny Cash. It's very impressive. It's very impressive from a simply acting standpoint of being able to recreate all this kind of sound wave and sounding a lot like it and being like a lot of great actors, human parrots who can mimic things. It's very impressive. If you want to get nominated for stuff, this is also for young actors, if you want to get nominated for stuff, do a big budget movie bio because it is cheeseball as fuck and you will get nominated for 900 things and it will make a ton of money. It made $168 million. It was critically adored. Everyone, oh, walk the line. Oh, so <laughs> fucking oh my god it's because fucking- of that we got all these other fucking terrible music biopics mm-hmm. never ending but he got nominated for all the stuff he won a golden globe for best actor in a musical or a comedy he which is funny because that's neither i know i it's i guess it's kind of a musical i guess i'll kind give him, i'll give him that but and his singing is good. I he you never see him sing before that or again. And it's once again like some of the Joaquin stuff. He's amazing in it. He's putting out crazy shit in it. I loved him in it. Yeah, but but I, it was way too long, way yeah. too over the top, way too schmaltzy. Yes, 
then also the funny thing is the Johnny Cash video for Hurt is a better biopic than the fucking movie. A gird. A gird. And also, it just like what the fuck? What yeah. what is this? Like I don't know. I don't even know what to say sometimes about those music bios. They're cheese ball as fuck. This isn't how any of it went down. There's just dumbass writing. Everything is schmaltz. Schmaltz. The schmaltziest schmaltz. It's insane. I can- and they all do the same thing, too, where it's like yes. they have one little story arc, mm-hmm. and then they go, and then Ray Charles lived another 60 years as a musician. Yeah. It's like, what the fuck? Right. Right. The I- movie ends with him being 31. Yes. Yeah. Oh, and then he had to be rich. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, oh no. Oh, it's God. terrible. And a famous musician. I, and then Elton John fucked every twink he could find. Oh, what a terrible oh, let's life. Let's not bring that up. Oh, let's not bring any of that up. I mean, that's the thing, too. They cut all the stuff out. With the exception of, like, The Dirt or certain movies that sort of actually embody the insanity of musical artists and try to do that kind of thing. I appreciate those, but those are not the movies that get nominated for, you know. No, these those are the ones that end up on Netflix. Yes, because... They're good. I don't, yeah. and they're actually trying to do something fun or interesting or different. This is just Oscar bait. Yeah, you want to get nominated? Play Judy Garland in a fucking Judy Garland movie Yeesh. where you cut out all the creepiness about Judy Garland and just have her singing. Anyway, the only creepy thing in the, that movie was Renee Zellweger. <sighs> true, true. Renee, don't come after us with your zombie powers. Anyways, he makes some stuff. Earthlings. I never saw this. You see Earthlings? Brian likes Brian Earth. did. Thumbs Brian up. Brian likes huh? Earthlings. 2005, a documentary about the investigation of animal abuse in factory farms. Ooh. Mr. Former vegan himself. Yes. I've stuffed cheese into his mouth. He's done it, though. He's eaten it. He swallowed it. <laughs> it. Phoenix was invited to join the Academy of Motion Pictures, Arts, and Sciences. He is a member of the Academy now. In 2006, he made We Own the Night, which he also produced with James Gray mm. again. He was a nightclub manager who tried to save his brother from Russian mafia hitmen. I don't remember that movie. I saw it. I saw it, too. I saw it was on TV. Yeah. <laughs> I know I've flipped through the channels, mm-hmm. but I don't watch anything with Mark Wahlberg. All I remember, though, about that movie is he starts to get a little nuts. He starts to get a little nuts in that movie, and he starts to kind of have a little more edge. There's The edge is coming, which you kind of saw, I'll give it a little bit in Johnny Cash, which starts to get a little fucking weirder, more gristle. It's starting to get crazier. 2007, he made Reservation Road with Terry George again. Did you see Reservation Road? No. It's one of those ones, those mid-2000s, heartbreaking, a father, his son gets hit in a hit and run, and then the cops don't investigate, and so he can't give up. Him and Mark Ruffalo, the Mark Ruffalo is the cop, and they try to figure it out, but it gets convoluted. I saw it in the theater, and I remember crying and sort of like being like, this is... I, I kind of blacked out from how intense it is. I'll give it that. It's very, very intense. Reservation Road is Joaquin and Mark Ruffalo doing intense shit. It's scary. Another one. I don't want to watch it again, but it's great performances. And it's intense shit about dead kids and families falling apart because the kid got hit. And then who did it? And it's nuts. It's nuts. He makes another James Gray movie called Two Lovers. Did you see that? I don't watch movies with Sean Penn. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Why, because he's racist? And because he beat up Madonna. That's true, but I do love Spicoli. I'm so- <laughs> that was before he beat up anybody or became a racist. That is true. That well, is- he could have been a racist the whole time. I don't know. He probably wrote that shit on Forrest Whitaker's car. Prick. He did destroy Forrest Whitaker's car. Yeah. Dad's a TV repairman. 
Fuck you, Sean. <laughs> and especially for ruining, especially for being so good at acting and directing and being so talented. Why are you still racist? Why are you still a dick? Yeah. Why? He's got two Oscars. And he's very talented. Why? Why are you a dick? I don't know. I'm asking you, man. You want to come on the show? Once again. You're going to fight me. <laughs> don't. Yeah. <laughs> fight all of us. I'll probably be into it. It'd be weird. He'd get freaked out because I got a boner after he punches me. Anyway. Anyways. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> so then there's a mockumentary. Quote, unquote, mockumentary. And we just have to talk about this a little bit. A little bit. A little bit. Let's just brush over it. Yes. In 2010, I would say enters his acid period where him and the Franco brother get nuts. Casey Affleck, actually. Yes. And they make I'm Still Here. A mockumentary in which Casey Affleck was also involved with him. And they go around in their real life being weird, going on television shows, behaving way differently than they normally do, growing big beards, acting like they're trying to be avant-garde. I would imagine this is an idea that you come up with on acid. You keep doing acid and you're like, this is great. I'm nailing this. And they run out of acid Mm -hmm. and they have to script the rest of it. (laughs) And then that's when they start going performance piece Mm -hmm. because we watched this together And and we it did. starts it's off the first thing we watched together. Yeah, it starts off like pretty strong, and then you can tell the part where they like ran out of ideas because this was, should have been a short film. Yeah, it would have worked that yeah. way. And then it's like, oh, here's Ben Stiller pretending he doesn't know his performance. He's like, no, let's turn this off. No, this is fucking yeah. stupid. This is self-reflexive nonsense. I appreciate them trying to do something. I will say this: I appreciate them trying to do something meta, trying to do a piece of art, trying to get outside of the fourth wall of Hollywood itself, and be self-reflexive and be weird. I appreciate it. I really do. I'm not going to bash on it too hard. It does end up failing and being stupid. And literally it kind of smashed his career. He literally stopped acting for like two years. Yeah. And he, Casey Affleck went broke, which, yeah, you know what? In hindsight, Mm. he deserves. He's a fucking piece of shit. That's true. But also a good actor. It's weird. Eh, I'm not going to give him that. Gone baby. Gone. I don't know. He's got. Some, he's still a piece of shit. He's still a piece of shit. Lots of people are pieces of shit. Roman Polanski is one of the biggest pieces of shit of all time, and Roseberry's Baby is a fucking amazing movie. But he is one of the world's great scumbags, and if he was in the room with me, I would fucking try to punch him in the face. Rapist piece of shit. But the mockumentary itself is a fail, and I think he gets... A lot of the backlash comes down on him because he's yeah. the front man. And to be quite honest, they didn't really do anything that terrible. Nothing about on camera. Not right. Well, exactly. They just made a dumb movie yeah. that they tried to make a big meta piece and nobody got he it. He eventually went back and Letterman and apologized. Agreed. Agreed. However, I would make this argument that because of that, it attracted one of America's best artists who also kind of thinks maybe how we think a little bit. And Paul Thomas Anderson said, I think this guy's kind of a nutball and I like him. And he then brought him on to make maybe your favorite P.T. Anderson movie. It is. The Master in yeah. 2012, where he plays Freddie Quell, sex-obsessed alcoholic World War II veteran, Hoochaholic, <laughs> struggling to adjust to post-war society, where he joins a little bit up with the head of Scientology, Mr. L. Ron Hubbard, and you learn that even the world's greatest con artist cannot control a complete lunatic. No. What is your take? I know you love The Master, and I love The Master, but I just would like to know your opinion. The Master is perfect to me. Mm. Absolutely perfect. It's every emotional beat 
you would ever want in a film. I loved it when I saw it. I couldn't stop obsessing over it. I went through a weird depression period where I watched it like every day for a mm. month. And usually those movies I don't really watch again. Yeah. I'll watch The Master any fucking time, time ever. Anywhere. Joaquin Phoenix yeah. is a powerhouse. He is a beast beyond anything I've ever seen him in again. Philip Seymour Hoffman is so R. goddamn good. R.I.P. Yes. Amy Adams. Everybody mm. in this is really good. What I'm going to say is go on YouTube. Yeah. Look up the deleted scene of Joaquin and Philip Seymour Hoffman smoking cools. Oh, yeah. It is the best deleted scene in the last, like, decade. They're it's com- amazing. Their conversations together, their conversations in that movie where they drink hooch, which if you don't know what hooch is, it's literally, like, something that a lot of World War II veterans kind of got addicted to where they're in this nightmarish, horrific shit. They don't have alcohol or anything to calm their nerves, so they start drinking gasoline, basically, jet fuel. and Missiles fuel. Stuff you're not supposed to be drinking. (laughs) You are not supposed to be drinking, but it does fuck you up. And the conversations they have when he's trying, when Elrond, a.k.a. Philip Seymour Hoffman, is trying to create Scientology. He's also having these hooch meetings with his resident maniac, who's the only one who will tell him the actual fucking truth. Yeah. That what he's doing is fucking insane and stupid because this guy is so crazy and so not for our world that he is exactly for our world. He is telling the truth. This whole world that he fought at World War II for is bullshit. And that dream sequence in which he gets the phone call Spoiler alert, in the movie theater, sticks with me maybe more than any scene I've ever seen in any movie. I remember it. I remember every line of it. It's spooky as fuck. It's one of the spookiest things I've ever seen. The master is, in a way, kind of as if sometimes great directors slightly wave their dick a little bit, and P.T. making this movie and calling it The Master is P.T. basically saying, what's it really about? You could call it whatever you want. What's the titular element? Who's the master here? Amy Adams. Yeah, it's Amy Adams. That's correct. That's correct. That's correct. Correct. And that scene in which he is a photographer in a department store. Oh, my God. he gets a guy to fight him just to have something, just to have feelings. He's the most bored animal Mm -hmm. in the world in a cage. Oh, so And then when he does end up in prison, Mm -hmm. and he's just... In the fucking handcuffs, and he breaks that toilet that was an antique. The dudes oh. who were letting them film there lost their goddamn mind. But you can't control Joaquin either. And he's banging his head in the fucking bunk beds. Your whole family hates yes, you. Yes. Everybody hates you. It's amazing. I like also maybe the lesson is also that dudes are basic and that if they find, it doesn't matter if it's a man or a woman, whatever you like, someone to love them, they all of a sudden, all the shit goes right. Yeah. So all of a sudden, all of the nightmare is over. It's so bizarre. And I, I love it. I love the master. We have to move on because then it's a huge success. He gets nominated for a Golden Globe and a BAFTA. He does not get nominated for an Academy Award. Oh, no, I'm sorry. He gets nominated for his third Academy Award nomination. But he receives his second Golden Globe, his second BAFTA. 2013, though, a favorite of mine, he f- works with Spike Jones and makes her which you've never seen her as well as the master. These are movies you absolutely need to watch. These are absolutely, you must watch them. His hair looks amazing. It is a 
Orwellian tale from a different perspective of the Orwellian, in which the world is now safe. The world is kind and safe, but everyone is lonely. Everyone doesn't really know what to do with themselves in this super safe, super boring world. And he finds Scarlett Johansson, who is a voice coming out of his smartphone, and he falls in love with her. And it's prescient. It is the time we live in. It's bizarre. I love her. I don't know what your take on her is, though, Nick. I don't. I think it's fantastic. Yeah. I love some of the weird stuff. I love yeah. uh, Kristen Wiig in it. She's choking me with the dead cat next to the bed. I now took a There's a lot of moments in this movie yeah. that creep me out. Yes. Yes. But then there are such tender moments yes. in this movie where it's like, well, I wish I had an iPhone that did that with me, or at least, you know, a person. Yeah. Something. Somebody. I think Denny Villeneuve saw that movie. And yeah. a big piece of Blade Runner 2049 is in that movie. Like I said, it's Orwellian. It's futuristic, but it is very different. It's different than any Orwellian futuristic movie you'll ever see. Their video games are great. The video games, the future video games. I was like, I want to play these video games. They're so cool. That's the thing when Spike Jones is really on, though. The worlds that he creates are places that you want to be in. You want to be in these worlds, these Spike Jones worlds. Like, you don't necessarily want to be in them. You know, he has all these elements. They're very three-dimensional. They're complex. They're not necessarily great places, but he makes them so that they are bizarre, almost your world, fantasy worlds that you would like to live in. They've... Except for the places where the wild things roam. Oh, uh, yes. That was also, that was a fail. He was yeah. just, he was, I don't know. Acid, maybe. There was some good acid going around back there. I think that was the force. I was doing acid back there. There was good acid rolling around there in the fucking late 2000s. Anyways. This is my entire night, by the way, Brian. <laughs> this is Alex talking about 2006 acid. I missed it. Where the fuck is it? Anyways. <laughs> the film was nominated for five Academy Awards, including Best Picture. He got nominated for Best Actor. Her is hard to explain. It really is kind of in a way. It's about a guy who writes... Hallmark cards. Handwritten fancy letters to people. Yes, He is a poet. But you can't be a poet in this weird, soft corporate world. So he has to be this thing that isn't anything. He has to waste his poetry. And then when he gives it to someone, it's a robot that doesn't even fucking exist. It's so spookily pressing. So spookily pressing. In 2014, Phoenix reunited with PTA, again, for my favorite Paul Thomas Anderson movie. He plays Doc in Inherent Vice, the very first adaptation ever of a Thomas Pynchon book in which PTA is so cool and such a master that Thomas Pynchon called him and found him. And PTA is one of the few people who knows who Thomas Pynchon is and met him. I think it's Jim Morrison. No fucking way. (laughs) I quit the podcast. I'm out. Ryan, take over. I just said that because I knew you would fucking... I am so angry right now. Who do you think Thomas Pynchon... I love the idea. It's like Thomas Pynchon is like... Philip K. Dick. Oh, yeah, it is him. He's He's not dead. He's still alive. I love that idea. Yeah. fucking... And it is. It seems like him. Seems like him. Mm. He couldn't just get off the speed. No. He had to make a new life. Because they were after him. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's such a good movie. And I love it. And I... I love you. And I agree with that. I love you. And I agree with that idea. Also, if you haven't seen the hair advice, it's the coolest neo-noir that there is. I love neo-noir. It's probably my favorite genre. 
obviously Blade Runner, obviously Taxi Driver. I mean, you could go down the list of all the neo-noirs, but it's something else. It's something else. The spookiness of it, the strangeness of it. When those, spoiler alert, just a touch, but when the skinheads actually have him and he's in that bathroom and they come back for him and he's taking the top off this guy, this pothead weirdo who you don't know how tough he is. I mean, he gets beat up all the time and he takes, just like it's nothing, takes the top off the toilet, leans back so the door opens, the big giant skinhead comes in and he just clocks him with it in that PTA way where you just get to watch all of it and just clocks him with it and beats him, beats him to death with it. And you're just like, holy shit. Doc is not fucking, and then he takes the guy's gun, and the other Nazi comes back, and they're in this crazy hallway shot, like the fucking Untouchables, and that guy shoots, and it misses, and he gacks him, just gacks him. And then, because he's high, and he's Doc, and he's not wearing shoes, he has to sit there and go, because <laughs> he just killed two guys. I mean, it's... Did I get you? Did I, oh, yeah, did I get you? Oh, my God. That movie. Oh, Thanos? Brolin? Brolin in that movie as Bigfoot? Doc talks to ghosts, who's a ghost, who's really there, who is not there, what is actually going on. It's Thomas Pynchon, it's PTA, it's all aligned. I remember seeing it in the theater and turning to my girlfriend at the time and saying, they made a movie for me. <laughs> they made a movie for me. I don't know if anybody likes it, but they made a movie for me. And uh, I still feel this way. And in the same way, if I get depressed, I watch fucking Inherent Vice. Well, for a while, it was both of those movies back to back for me. Mm-hmm. Just like a long stone day. Mm-hmm. Just like Doc. Yeah. Martin Short. Mm-hmm. He is goddamn amazing in this movie. Reese Witherspoon? Reese Witherspoon. They finally get the makeup for fucking... Uh, Nebula? Walk the line. I, almost, <laughs> I know. I almost said they Walk made up hard. for Run the Jewels. Anyways. Um, <laughs> Jesus Christ. It did. It most certainly did. I love Inherent Vice. I, I saw this in theaters three times. Yes. It's not even like a movie. It's like watching somebody's... Dreams where they're haunted. <sighs> I know. I know. We have to jump ahead a little bit. Needless to say, there's a lot of great stuff. And if any of this jumps out of you, he works with Woody Allen in Irrational Man, which won the Cannes Film Festival. He works with Gary Davis for Mary Magdalene. He works with Amazon for You Were Never Really Hold on, here. hold on, hold yeah, on. Yeah, 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 no, hold no. Hold on. Yeah. He works with Lynn Ramsey Lynn Ram- for I'm, You Were Never Really you Here. You Were Never Really Here. You Were Never Really Here. Mm-hmm. Is the movie, one of the movies he should have won a fucking Oscar yeah, for. Yeah, I saw this in theaters with Aaron Rose. We sat in her car for 20 minutes afterwards and freaked the fuck yeah. out. This is one of those movies you only watch once. Yeah. This is it. It is a death grip mm. of just the worst part of humanity. I've seen this movie eight times Jeez, now. Crazy. I cannot stop going back. Holy shit. The scene where he lays on the, yeah. spoiler, the scene where he lays on the floor of the tile he lays in the tile of the kitchen next to the guy yeah. listening to the radio, and he just waits for that guy to die. He just waits with him on the floor, watching, talking to him, listening to him as he dies. Yeah. That is fucking traumatizing. It is powerful. It traumatized me. Like, it does, because it's about PTSD. It's about mania. It's about... Yeah. The Los Angeles Times described it as the most rivetingly contained work of his career. 88 fucking minutes. Yeah. Fabulous. Most 88 minutes movies are bad because yeah. they they barely made 88 minutes. Because 15 minutes of that is just filler. <laughs> they had no idea what to do. Yeah. They were like, oh, we got to cut a lot of this because it sucks. I'm glad you stopped me on that one. You're right. 
Uh, also, Lynn Ramsey, I think we could do an episode eventually. Yeah. But he works with Gus Van Sant, another one we could do again, many, many years later, working with him for Don't Worry, He Won't Get Far on Foot. Did you see that? I haven't. Me either. Yeah. I want to. There we go. There's a blockbuster film school. We need to watch it. Yeah. We need to watch it. He's made a lot of stuff, but we're going to get to it right now. In 2019, Phoenix joins with Todd Phillips and becomes one of the most iconic characters in American art. A role that revitalized Jack Nicholson's career, that got Heath Ledger an Oscar and killed him, and made Jared Leto extremely butthurt. He becomes the DC Comics classic character, the Joker. It made a billion dollars. It made one billion dollars worldwide. Just went uh, to fifty-five million dollar budgets. Yes. Kind of on the sheer magnitude of Joaquin Phoenix. It's the Joker. It is. And there's that as well. People love the Joker. He's maybe the most iconic villain in American art, (laughs) if you will. But what's your take on the Joker there, Nick? Great performance. Movie's dumb. (laughs) It's fucking, it's Scorsese karaoke. Mm -hmm. It wants to be Taxi Driver. It wants yes. to be King of Comedy more. Yes. The part where they bring in De Niro to play the talk show host. Mm. But then also, Joaquin's Joker, it is great. It's but amazing. he's sort of doing like a weird combination of his character from You Were Never Really Here and The Master. Yeah. It's like, those are two movies he should have won Oscars for. Correct. He deserves an Oscar. I don't think he... I really am sort of afraid of what happens to him now that he won it for this movie. <laughs> Well, I will say, okay, so I have a slightly different take. I agree with you. It is Scorsese karaoke. It's goofball as fuck. But it's one of those ones for me where the acting performance is so interesting and so crazy that I enjoyed it just for that. You know, it has that element where it's kind of like Tom Hanks and Forrest Gump where the movie is kind of schmaltzy and ridiculous, but you just kind of can't take your eyes off of this person and they're doing a thing that... I know, maybe you disagree with me on that, but I it, it just it has that element where you're like, why do I like this so much? I don't know. I don't know. He's just doing it. It's him. It's Joaquin using all of his Joaquin powers and Joaquining the shit out of this. And it just I couldn't take my eyes off it. I couldn't take my eyes off it for a second. I couldn't take my eyes off of him. He's Joaquining as hard as he can and blast waving. And Todd Phillips, I've never, with the exception of maybe old school, really. <laughs> been like super into one of his movies I've always thought there was a weird you're kind of an Oliver Stoney type character in my mind but him and it is great his performance I also I think it's very underdirected I agree and I also the entire time had this thought in my mind where when R. Pats is Batman and Joaquin is the Joker if they get somebody awesome to direct it it will be the coolest Batman movie ever fucking made. <laughs> it was kind of that element in my head the entire time where they do an Alan Moore karaoke for my comic book nerds where they take a bunch of Alan Moore stories and smash them together and cut out the really tough parts and have the cool parts. And the edges don't feel that serrated for a Joker movie. You know what I'm saying? I feel like they pull a lot of punches. He never gets that nuts. He's never even really as nuts as the stuff that Heath did. You know what I'm saying? He's never as scary as Heath. They're trying to have him more as kind of an anti-hero, which also Heath was, you know? 
But there's a sadder element to it, which Joaquin always brings. There's a sadness in him, this deep, dark-seated sadness, and that permeates, and I think is an interesting take that you've never had in The Joker, where there's... Jared Leto is pretty sad as the Joker. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that is because... He knows what he's doing. He knows... Oh, this is a fail. I'm failing. Yeah. I'm, I'm failing now. I shouldn't have gone with a neck tattoo. Mm. But he does then get his Oscar. He gets his Oscar like a cheese ball. I did sort of tear up when he gave his acceptance speech because not only did it actually genuinely seem heartfelt like Joaquin, when he kind of almost apologized for his behavior sometimes, but then he read a poem by his brother. Once again, the only two brothers ever nominated. And that idea, obviously I know, Loved ones, when they pass, never really leave you. But that idea that right now, 27 years later, like his brother's ghost is still like living inside of him has such a spooky element and that it's so interesting. You know, I don't know. It was genuinely, I was genuinely happy for him and I'm glad he won. You're right. Should have maybe been for the master. Should maybe been for an hair vice in my fucking opinion. But it was the Joker, and it made a billion fucking dollars. And now he is up there in that pantheon of the biggest actors in the history of Hollywood. And I think, team, it's time for the Blockbuster Film School Wall! So, Nicholas, what's your four for Mr. Joaquin Phoenix. My number four is her. Her is fabulous. Fabulous. Soft, emotional, tender. Mm-hmm. They wear their pants up above their belly buttons. Yeah, Chris Pratt where he says to his nipples like he's Jack Palance. But it's an interesting idea that maybe that would come back. Once we got into a weird golden age, 1940s grandpa age, the young people would start to kind of go back to that and become grandpas, sort of. It's an interesting take that I think only Spike can do. What's the scene that stands out to you the most in her when you think about it? Sadly, it's the scene where, uh, what's her name? Isabella comes over Mm. so that they can have sex and Mm. then he just fucks it up like because he can't stop being himself. Yeah. And because everyone's weird now. Yeah. Sex is weird now. I've basically lived that scene out. That's why it happens. Her spookily is the future of Demolition Man, but not ridiculous. Yeah. You know? where everything is safe, everything is cool, but now everyone is weird because they don't know how to have a little bit of conflict, yeah. a little bit of bravado. They don't know how to do it anymore. It's gone. Also, they never specifically show Taco Bell in her, mm-hmm. so I feel like it did not survive the fast food wars. That is true. But if a frozen maniac comes back, you got to send a maniac to catch a maniac. My number four will be before 2012. It is the 2000 classic starring Australia's greatest citizen, it is Gladiator. I love it. Ridley Scott coming back with a vengeance, like truly with vengeance. What the movie is about, vengeance. It is one of the craziest, bloodiest, most nutball movies that moms like and won Best Picture. I have no idea how it happened. It was just how 2000 worked. Everybody wanted vengeance. I don't know. It was weird. And it's awesome. And he is, to such I suppose, the Joker 
It was the last time he got to play an antagonist. I would love to see him play truly an antagonist again. Be really the villain, the bad guy. That's why I'm hoping for like a him and Arpat's Batman. It could be fascinating. I loved him being the bad guy. Hasn't really happened. He plays anti-heroes. He plays flawed characters who sometimes do bad things, but he's normally the protagonist because of his handsomeness. What's your three? Inherent Vice. Spoiler alert, I'm going to talk about Heron Vice again, but goddamn right it is. That ghost? There's a ghost in it, everybody. There's a lot of ghosts in that There's movie. a lot of ghosts. Benicio Del Toro is amazing. The framing in this is amazing. Mm. Oh, this movie is practically flawless. It's also just, it is haunting. It's dreamlike. It's full of ghosts. Also, it's funny as fucking hell. Mm-hmm. This movie is comedic gold. Oh, man. Owen Wilson... I have not liked Owen Wilson in anything since the world Tannenbaums. Oh, I'm blanking. I like her a lot. Anna. Paquin. No. 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 It's (laughs) Donnie Darko. I'm blanking. But she plays Owen Wilson's wife in (laughs) An Air Advice. She has fake teeth. I forgot about that. uh, I'm going to hate myself. I follow her on Instagram, too. I feel like an asshole. I know. I know. It'll come to me. My brain will work in a second. But. Just every, yeah, everything. There's amazing performances in it. Amazing performances. My three is The Master. I love PT. I love The Master. We got to see it at a weird screening at Columbia before it even came out. And the way it opens with the water. And all I'll say about this is that Philip Seymour Hoffman has literally haunted me more than maybe any other actor, where I get this phantom feeling where I'm like, I wonder what the new Philip Seymour Hoffman movie is. And then I have to remind myself there will not be a new Philip Seymour Hoffman movie. And that happens to me way more than any other actor. And I have to remember that, and it sucks. Sorry on the downer there. I just, as great as Joaquin is in that movie. It's okay. I'll put it this way. As great as Joaquin is, as great as he is in that movie, Philip Seymour Hoffman is that movie. He is the master. He runs that movie. And I think there's even an uptick in Joaquin after that movie because he worked with Philip Seymour Hoffman because somebody challenged him, who was maybe even a better actor than he was, really challenged the fuck out of him. And those scenes are nuts with him and Joaquin. What is your two? Her name is Jenna Malone, by the way. Jenna Malone. I love Jenna Malone. I do. I do. And I'm sorry I for a second forgot. But it was great to see her. And then PT remembered her. And then PT put her. I was like, oh, yes. Correct. And gave her fake teeth in the movie. Because he's PT. He's like, no, you got fake teeth in this movie. Well, well, it ties in with the dentist thing, too. That's what I'm saying. But all the whole thing and that it's pinching and it works. Oh, so good. So good. What's your two? You were never really here. Mm. The movie is unrelenting. Yes. Lynn Ramsey is a masterful director, mm-hmm. and this movie just hits you in the gut None over and over stop and over comedy. and over. Agreed. It does. We're getting depressing. <laughs> but, okay, so my two, I agree with you, it's her. Her is, I would say, Spike Jones's best movie, maybe. Right. I mean, being John Malkovich, I mean, we're right at the, like, it's great. It's truly great. It's truly elite. 
None of these movies are bad. Just for future, this is the blockbuster wall. If you're at this point listening to this podcast and you haven't watched any of these movies, any of them that we list, you need to watch them. What's your number one there, Nicholas? I think I have an idea. Ladder 49, <laughs> co-starring John Travolta. We didn't bring it up. We did that. Because I was waiting. Because if you think John Travolta can't have put out fires wearing a toupee, you are correct. <laughs> Why is this hair so dark? Why? Why is his hair on his head? What? You're just age a little. Even if you're going to fake it with the dark hair or something, yeah. just have it be a lighter color. You, Your hair is never that dark when you're old. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> you look like Ed Costas. You look like nonsense. You look like an NFL sideline reporter who's 65 years old and your hair is jet black. Yeah. Why? Why? You look preposterous. I know you were in... A movie about a mook in Staten Island who dances fucking 50 years ago. But what are you doing? What are you doing? He looks like Marv Albert's fat cousin. <laughs> fat Albert. <laughs> My number one is obviously the master. Yes. It is. It's masterful. Eh, yeah. <laughs> if you will. What's your favorite scene in the master? I love the scene where he's just... Got his eyes closed. He's walking back and forth mm. in the room. He's beating the shit out of the wall and the mm. window. The first time he gets interviewed mm. by Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yes. He's talking about how that guy died when they were doing the cabbages. He's just smacking himself in the face. And then he's like, ask me again. He's like, don't blink. And then he closes his eyes and he moves to some other land, some other time. He's almost a different person. It comes back to reality, and it's very slowly fades back into him that he's he's still stuck on himself, and then he just can't escape the rest of the movie. Also, the idea of a love story where there's a person who so effortlessly can control other people, and then he finds a guy who he cannot control. And because he cannot control this person, he loves him. He yeah. adores him because everyone else he can just so easily, effortlessly control. He can just turn them to his will, make them into what he wants. But this fucking lunatic, he can't. And and at a certain point, he tries and tries and tries. And then at a point, he's just glad that he exists. Yeah. Because he was starting to get worried that he could just turn anyone to his will. But secretly, my favorite scene in that movie is Amy Adams getting Philip Seymour Hoffman the fastest and saddest yes. hand job in any movie. And also the scene, the Fellini-esque scene where Joaquin is hammered and they're having the party and he just starts to imagine everyone naked. And yeah. then PT makes everyone naked. And as it's happening, Philip Seymour Hoffman comes out and does this amazing song and dance and everyone is naked and he's just laughing his balls off. And Amy Adams is literally shooting Cyclops, Scott Summers lasers into him. And he just can't stop laughing because it's the funniest shit. PT, when he wants to be funny, literally will make you laugh. He will force you, will force laughter in you. And therefore, uh, my number one is Inherent Vice. The opening to Inherent Vice is maybe my favorite opening to any movie, my favorite title sequence, maybe maybe for anything. When he puts his hand on the car and the car slowly drives away and that music starts up and Inherent Vice comes up, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. I couldn't believe that a movie like this existed. It's just next level. Well, I think we did it. 
I think we did it, Nick. That's Mr. Joaquin Leaf Phoenix. Bottom. Long may he live. He's one of the great actors in the world. Nick, you have any final thoughts on Mr. Joaquin? Don't party with Johnny Depp. Oh, for real. <laughs> he will outlive you. He is a pirate captain who cannot go down. He is actually a vampire, possibly. I saw him take his teeth out once when he played with his band, the LA Vampires. He had to take his teeth out to sing. I don't know if you know this. He has fake teeth because Johnny Depp does meth. Yes, he's Johnny Depp. He is kind of in that way, like Keith Richards, where I'm pretty sure he has doctors giving him blood transfusions every day like a fucking vampire, okay? Also, last little party thought, if you're still here, there is an amazing Terry Gross interview with Joaquin Phoenix. Do yourself a favor, YouTube it, Google it, wherever it is. It is so awesome. The real Joaquin is so funny and weird and also kind of sensitive and... The opening, Terry's like, what are you doing? What are you? He's like, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm talking on the phone in my house. It's a, it's a landline. It's, where are my fucking cigarettes? Oh, I'm on it. Oh, I'm on a PR right now. Oh, oh, Jesus Christ. Oh, I can't. I'm not supposed to curse. He's like, it's okay. It's okay. It's like, I know, I know, I know, I know. And then he's like, Terry, Terry. Oh, not you, not you. Literally, my assistant's name is Terry. Terry, Terry, where are my cigarettes? Where are my cigarettes? This happened on NPR live. And I, I was like, I love this guy. I love this guy. I... <laughs> Like, it's amazing. So, well, team, I think we did a good job. Nick, what do you think? Yes. Yeah, Super Producer Brian Taps is giving the thumbs up. I love all you guys. I love you for, if you stuck around this long, you're one of the greatest humans in the world. Like and subscribe. Like and subscribe. Like and subscribe, please. Play review. Please. Go, yeah, on, go on our YouTube page. It should be up by now, hopefully. You don't like it, whatever. Check it out. We're on check Spotify. Out Instagram, Facebook, Spotify, in- in- iTunes. Yes, come check it out. Come check. Come hit us up. We're still rolling. Fucking, we'll talk to you. We don't care. We're on Napster. Yeah, we're yeah, we're on fucking anything. We don't care. We're on, we're on Yahoo Music. Yeah, we'll do whatever. We're on Tapster. This is officially a beer. We'll suck any dick we gotta suck. I don't care. I'm going to bed. All right, team. We love you. Do drugs. Have a good time. This is Blockbuster Film School. We'll talk to you next week.